0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, I want to welcome orthopedic trauma surgeon Best-selling author and lecturer, Dr. Lorraine Day. Dr. Day reversed her severe advanced cancer by rebuilding her immune system with natural therapies so her body could heal itself. Dr. Day, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing fine. Thank you.
1: Good, good. Now, I've got so much to talk about, but first, let's just get um, a brief bit about what your background and then how you cured yourself of cancer.
2: Okay. Uh, I was on the faculty of the University of California, San Francisco Medical School for 15 years. And I was chief of orthopedic surgery at San Francisco General Hospital. So I have been entrenched in orthodox medicine for virtually all my career. But I found out that what we were doing was really not the right thing for cancer and virtually every other disease. And let me just say that when I was a medical student, I realized that doctors never cure any disease. And that's why I became a trauma surgeon, because if you're shot or stabbed or run over by a truck, that's an accident. That's not a disease. Diseases like heart disease and cancer and Parkinson's, those are caused by totally different things. Those are not accidents. We do that to ourselves. So when I was a medical student, I realized that doctors don't cure anything. And uh, some of my medical student uh, friends came to me and said, you know, you shouldn't be a surgeon. You're just going to be using your hands and not your brain. You should use your brain and go into uh, internal medicine like we're in. And I said, you not guys never get anybody well. They just keep coming back for more pills and more pills and more pills. And I was shocked. This is 50 years ago at the crass answers I got. They said, yeah, that's the beauty of it. You can have a very successful practice with a very few patients because they have to keep coming back. And I said, I don't want to do that. I want to get the patient well so they can go live their happy life rather than keeping coming back over and over and over again for more drugs that all have side effects, of course. So uh, I was chief of orthopedic surgery during the era when AIDS exploded in San Francisco. And so I had operated at that time, I had operated on more AIDS patients than any surgeon in the country. And I was talking about the great risk this is for surgeons, because we get cut in the operating room uh, all the time, because we use high speed power drills and saws and all sorts of things like a carpenter, because we're working on bone. And we're different from every other kind of surgeon who just works on soft tissue. And we get stuck by sharp shards of bone that are broken that go through our gloves and all that. And so, of course, the Centers for Disease Control, which is really a criminal organization, kept saying, oh, you don't want to take any risk and, and you've never had to take any risk. Well, we've had to take risks all the time because I've had doctor and nurse friends die of hepatitis B that they've gotten from needle sticks and cuts in the operating room. But I said to them, you know, you're just cowards. You're sitting here in your office with your white shirt and tie and your jacket on. You never get blood on you anywhere. And we're covered with blood when we operate. So anyway, it became a big problem. And then they kept telling me that that surgeons could not get AIDS from a needle stick. That was early on, which, of course, was a big lie. And so uh, it turns out the first nurse that they admitted that had gotten AIDS from a needle stick was a nurse at our hospital. So then I was really on the war path. So uh, to make a long story short, I was asked to be a guest on many many television shows, and through this I got a lot of mail. And one man sent me a book. He said, "You think there's a cover up in AIDS? You should see the cover up in cancer." Well, I thought, how could how could somebody know more about cancer or anything else than, than a, a medical doctor?
1: Right. So That's-
2: I almost threw the book away, but I read it. Now, the answer to cancer was not in that book, but it opened my mind to the fact that what we were doing for cancer is not working. And so then when I, this was in the uh, late 80s and early 90s, and I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1993. And when I was diagnosed, the lump was very tiny. It was about half the size of a split pea when it's dry. So it was very tiny. And I didn't think it was cancer. It was high up on my chest. And the only reason it bothered me was when I put my seatbelt on when I was getting in the car, then it would irritate it. So I went to a surgeon friend of mine who was a college classmate and he was a plastic surgeon. And so he removed it under local except you called me a week later and told me not only was it cancer, but it was all through my chest wall. So uh, he said, uh, being a plastic surgeon, he said, this is beyond my pay grade. So go to a breast cancer surgeon and uh, let him take a look at it. And so I did. Uh, At that time, the only thing I knew about cancer other than orthodox methods was from this book I had written read. So I went to this other breast cancer surgeon at uh, Scripps in La Jolla in San Diego, and he was also a resident friend of mine when we were both in residency together. And so I said, do another biopsy. At that time, I thought you could cut cancer out, but you can't cut cancer out. And so I said, you can go in through the same incision, which was by that time healed two weeks later and see if you can get clear margins so he did and he put me under general anesthetic the first one i was under local but he said i could not get clear margins anywhere you have to you have to have chemo radiation and and you need to have either a partial resection of your breast or the whole thing off well i knew by that time i wasn't going to do that and here's the reason why every doctor knows chemotherapy is poison some doctors have actually developed cancer from handling the chemotherapy, in, even in a vial. So, chemotherapy destroys your immune system, and that's the system you need to get well. So, what good does it do to destroy your immune system? And then, radiation you know, if you go to the dentist to take a tiny little x ray of your tooth, they put a lead shield over your whole body. And person who's taking the x-ray goes outside the room by law and has to stand behind a leaded wall so they tell you don't get too many x-rays because x-rays are radiation and radiation causes cancer but now that you have cancer you have to have huge doses of we tell you of what we tell you to avoid because it causes cancer i mean it's so stupid doctors are all brainwashed they're under mind control And so then I also knew that I did not develop breast cancer because I had too many breasts. So cutting one or both of them off was not going to cure me. But doctors are only taught two methods of treatment. We're taught drugs or mutilating surgery. But see, doctors are working at the wrong end of cancer. If you had a seven-year-old child who was very sick with the chicken pox, and they had chickenpox marks all over their skin. You would never take that child to a surgeon and say, remove all the chickenpox marks in my child's skin so he'll be well. Of course, that would be stupid. You know that the chickenpox marks on the skin are a result of a sick body. And when you get the body well, the chickenpox marks on the skin will automatically go away. Well, cancer is not a contagious disease like chickenpox, but the same principle applies. It is not the tumor that's causing your body to be sick. It is your sick body that is causing the tumor. And once you get your body well, the tumor will automatically go away. You see, if you, if you took your car to an auto mechanic and you said, uh, my, my, I have a knock in my engine, And my second gear is sliding. It's making funny noises. And the check engine warning light is going on 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 my dashboard. So you take it there and you say, call me and tell me how much it will cost and what you're going to do. So he calls you in two hours and he said, it's all ready to go. It's all fixed. You say, well, what did you do about my second gear? Oh, I took it out. It's okay. It'll work for a while. Well, what what did you do about the check engine warning light? Oh, I cut the wire, so it won't bother you anymore. You won't see the light. And then I said, what did you do with um, the knock in my engine? He said, well, here's a pair of earplugs. It won't bother you anymore. So this illustration, I say to him, you're not an auto mechanic. You're a doctor. You never fix anything. You just cover it up. Drugs don't cure disease. My cancer was not caused by a deficiency of chemotherapy. It was not caused by a deficiency of radiation, so those things can't cure it. Again, you've gotta look at what causes disease, and the answer is, this is the cause of all diseases. The way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. And the, the, um, the medical literature supports that completely. Except we're not taught about those articles when we're in medical school because the drug companies control what doctors are taught because drug companies contribute huge amounts of money to the researchers in medical schools to make more drugs. So they control, it's the old uh, golden rule, he who has the gold rules. And so the drug companies control what doctors are taught and we are not taught to get anybody well. Because there's one, uh, there's on the internet recently, one, uh, I, I guess I shouldn't call them drug dealers, but that's what the drug companies are. One of them said, you know, uh, curing disease is not a good business model. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty crass. Yeah, so, that's Yeah. So anyway, um, what we have to do, see, first of all, our diet is horrible. But that's only one part of the plan. I changed my diet immediately <clears throat> to a totally vegan diet.
1: Now, before you go any further, I just wanted to address that many doctors say that it's also genetic, and it's, no. it's not, is it?
2: No, and I can tell you why. It's real easy to show that it's not genetic. Uh, first of all, I, when I was in medical school, I could never f- figure out why we always took a family history, and then it was because, oh, you know, if your mother had it, then you passed down in the genes to you, and now they're... They're messing with the DNA because to keep you from having diseases. Well, that's crazy. Here's the, here's the answer. In 1900, only 3% of Americans had cancer. Now, over 50% of Americans will develop cancer in their lifetime. If it were in the genes, our great-grandparents would have had to have as much cancer as we do in order to pass it down to us. You see? But they didn't. Because only three percent of people when I was when I was young, no child ever had cancer, no young adult ever had no no middle aged people had cancer. It was only a few really old people now everybody's got cancer. they have whole hospitals full of children with cancer and so um, uh, cancer is is not genetic, and if you see a very obese woman walking down the street with two obese children holding on to either hand. That is not genetic. She's feeding those kids what she's eating. And if you live, think, act, eat, and handle stress like your mother and grandmother did, well, then you'll probably develop the same diseases. It's not rocket science. It's just if you do those wrong things, you'll probably get the same disease. So it is not genetic. We damage our own genes, but we can fix them because the body has a marvelous DNA repair mechanism that can repair 66,000 damages a day. But we abuse our bodies so much, by the way we're living, thinking, acting, eating, and handling stress, that the DNA repair mechanism is just overwhelmed and it cannot work that fast. And so then we develop sickness. So, Food is extremely important because all animal products promote the growth of cancer and just about every other disease. And here's why. Hormones promote the growth of cancer. You you have enough of your own hormones. You don't need to eat the hormones of the animal. When you do, then you get all those extra ones. Plus you get the extra ones that um, that the cow or sheep grower gave to their animals to make them grow faster. So you're taking all that into your body. Secondly, uh, meat, poultry, and fish have no water in them and no fiber. So then water acts like a, a hormone that increases the peristalsis in your intestines to get the waste out more quickly. So meat, poultry, and fish are in your intestine for a much longer time than fruits, grains, and vegetables, which are primarily water. You can make juice out of fruits and gra- uh, vegetables, but you cannot make juice out of a steak, except for the blood. So, so this the, the meat, poultry, and fish go very slowly through your intestine, and they putrefy. So you have a decaying, putrefied carcass of a dead animal in your intestines for days and that's forming tremendous toxicity doesn't that sound good to eat okay.
1: yeah <laughs> making me hungry as we speak right.
2: <laughs> and so so that that forms toxins and then the blood vessels in your intestine take up those toxins and deliver them to every cell in your body so you are sick So so, uh, I I became a vegan vegetarian the day I found out I had cancer because I knew that was important. And it's the diet I still eat. And people say, oh, well, you know, uh, you can't get enough protein. Well, people are gorging themselves on protein. The average American eats four times more protein than they need. It's the meat and dairy industry that makes you think you need protein. I have in one of my books that I've written – called Getting Started on Getting Well. I have the U.S. Department of Agriculture vegetable protein chart in there. Spinach is 49% protein. Kale is 45% protein. Lettuce is 43% protein. There's protein in every fruit, vegetable, and grain. Lemons are 16% protein. You don't need to eat the carcasses of dead animals to get your protein. Again, I say that that, Uh, Americans are gorging themselves and killing themselves with protein. Protein is only needed for growth and repair. We are meant to live on carbohydrates, carbohydrates, this ketone diet. The reason people lose weight on the ketone diet is because it makes them sick. When somebody comes into the emergency room in ketosis, that is an emergency, And sometimes diabetics come in. It's an emergency. So people are making their bodies sick. And that's why they lose weight. They also have, they lose friends because they have really bad breath. Because they've got all of these dead animals rotting in their intestine. And it comes out in their perspiration and their breath and everything. So... Did you have
1: a question? Well yeah, I was just also gonna say the the, the oh, industry about- that handles the industry that handles the meat, um, the, the the meat cutting industry and the processing plants, uh, they they have very unsanitary practices as well.
2: Oh yes, and, and of course the government allows uh, they have the SIS, which is the self-inspection system. So they get to uh, guard their own hen house, you see. And so uh, I have um, uh, interviews with, with meat inspectors that said they are forced when they go inspect the meat in places where they're allowed to, because most of them just inspect themselves. You know how that would work uh, with the IRS and taxes if they let you, uh, you know, investigate yourself. So they, they go into and they have to inspect the meat, these big, you know, uh, skinless cow Things hanging on the thing, they get to inspect those only when they're going through steam and through a mirror. In other words, they have to have their back to the meat. I mean, this is such a crock. It is crazy. Yeah, and so and chickens, of course, chickens go uh, are are hanging on these uh, these things from the this conveyor belt, and they get um, they get defeathered. And then there is an instrument that grabs, that cuts them open and grabs their intestines out. Well, it grabs the intestines out of hundreds of chickens as they go by. And of course it penetrates them. And so these birds, these chickens are covered with the feces of themselves and all of these other dead chickens. And so at the end they're covered with feces. So they put them in a big tank where the guys who work there Call it fecal soup because they're put in a big tank of water and the government allows them to soak up 10% of their body weight to make them um, heavier so the customer will have to pay more. But look what they're sucking up it's feces. And people say, Well, I cook my chicken well. I, would you like your feces raw or cooked? You're still eating feces. You know, what are you thinking? And people wonder why they're sick.
1: Yeah. That's you
2: see, so I went on a vegan vegetarian diet immediately, which is the right diet, the diet I still eat. And I am healthy. Um, by the way, I should tell you that it's been 25 years since my diagnosis. I had no chemo, I had no radiation, I did not have my breast removed. I had fourth stage cancer. The cancer grew very rapidly. It grew from, and I have pictures on my website at drday.com. It grew it came back after they did the original biopsy to the size of like a shooter marble. And then within three weeks, it stayed that way for about eight months. And then in three weeks, it grew to the size of a softball on my chest. It was gigantic and terribly, terribly painful. And I was sick and I kept getting sicker and sicker. I was sick for two years trying to figure out how to get well, trying all sorts of alternative methods, none of which worked. And then I became bedridden for six months. And at one point, I was not expected to live through the night. And here I am, 25 years later, alive and well and cancer-free. I, I take no medications. I have the energy of a 30-year-old. I still work full-time. I can still run and play tennis. And last February, I turned 82.
1: 82. My goodness. I, I mean, I wouldn't
2: have more
1: than 60. That is amazing.
2: I'm, I'm 82 going on 40. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this is what happens when you learn how to live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. Because, you know, first of all, uh, as I talked about the meat, poultry, and fish dehydrating your body because they have no water, it has to take water from your body to digest it, whereas the, the fruits, grains, and vegetables have water in them, and so your body doesn't have to dehydrate itself to digest those things, the vegetables and fruits. No. So what's the difference between a raisin and a grape? Water.
1: The water, yeah.
2: Raisin's all wrinkled up. A grape is not. What's the difference between a plum and a prune? Just water. So women are always trying to put stuff on their face so they won't get wrinkled. You should put it on the inside. Number one, you should put drink water. The body loses 10 glasses of water a day just by living, even if you don't get out of bed. It loses it from perspiration, even if you're not hot. It loses more when you are hot or working hard. You breathe 24 hours a day. Your breath, Will fog up a mirror because it's moist. So you lose that all the time, and then you uh, use it, lose it from digestion. And the more meat, poultry, and fish you eat, the more water you lose. It all goes out in the uh, intestines or the bladder because you're getting rid of it. And if you drink coffee, caffeinated soda, alcohol, those are all dehydrating agents. What happens when you put alcohol on your hands? It dries out your hands does the same thing to your body when you drink it. And stress is extremely dehydrating. Not only that, when you're stressed, whether it's financial, domestic, work stress, whatever stress, the body doesn't discern what kind of stress it is, it reacts in the same way, it reacts with the fight or flight reaction. And what does that do? It pours adrenaline and cortisol, which is the same as cortisone into your body. Cortisone suppresses your immune system so you cannot fight disease. So stress is an enormous factor in every disease and particularly cancer. Doctors never even approach that. I mean, see, these are all lifestyle factors. All of this that I'm telling you is well-documented in the medical literature. And in my books and DVDs and CDs, I have at least between three and 400 reference articles from the medical literature from the finest peer-reviewed journals showing that this is truth. But uh, we're never taught that in our medical training. Doctors develop cancer at the same rate as the general population and doctors die of cancer at the same rate as the general population. And everybody who is listening ought to realize this because if a doctor doesn't know how to prevent or reverse his or her own cancer, how can they do it in you? They can't.
1: It just makes me wonder how is it possible that more doctors aren't following your path? That more doctors aren't opening up to this and, and speaking out. I mean, is big pharma that much of a big control over all this?
2: Oh well, yes, it is, and I'll tell you why. Because I have I have a number of books and DVDs that I've made on cancer and every other kind of disease as uh, showing what causes it and how you reverse it. But you see, I am only allowed to put it in book form or DVD form or CD form and put on it, this is for educational purposes only. Otherwise, if I ever see any kind of a patient in the office, even if they had cancer 35 years ago and they're in remission or something and they come to me for what, what, a broken leg, I will lose my license. I am not allowed, no doctor is allowed to treat a cancer patient with anything other than chemo, radiation or mutilating surgery or they will lose their license. I still have my license, but I have to obey their rules. You see, so they, they don't want people to get well. They want people to die very expensively using their kinds of drugs. They don't want people to get well. This is all part of population extermination too. And they want people, as I said, to die expensively. If doctors did this, they would, first, first of all, the plan that I use to get well is essentially free, except for food. You have to buy that anyway. So it's, they can't stay in business. I don't practice. I wouldn't practice that way anyway uh, because I don't give out drugs. And so their livelihood is gone if they would listen to what I'm saying. And so naturally, they have so many biases against it. I don't even try to talk to my medical colleagues about it because they, they just can't go there. They admit that I'm alive. Now, there were three surgeon friends of mine who were involved in my two biopsies they all told me I would die. They said to me, what, you're crazy, what are you doing? Where did you get these nutty ideas? You're gonna die, you need chemo, radiation, and surgery. Well, what has happened to them since I got well? One of them, who was the executive director of the American College of Surgeons, developed cancer eight years ago, had all the chemo they could give him, and then he died. Another one who was my college classmate, Um, he had a coronary artery bypass that was supposed to cure him. Two weeks later, he dropped dead of a massive heart attack in front of his 12-year-old granddaughter who he was helping with her homework. The third one one has malignant melanoma and they are giving him all the chemo they can throw at him. So of the four of us, the only one who's alive and well and cancer-free is me.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Awful. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's good for you, but that's terrible.
2: Of course. I have had numerous friends, surgeon and and non-surgeon doctor friends, die of cancer and everything else. They don't know how to get well. They are in darkness, and they don't want to know anything other than what they have been mind-controlled to believe. And besides, they think, you know, I'll lose my livelihood and then I, you know, then my family will starve and we'll all die. You know, that's crazy thinking. Um,
1: And none of these drugs actually cure anything. They're just all Band-Aids for uh, uh, symptoms.
2: Well, they're worse than Band-Aids. They're they're Band-Aids that that contain um, uh, shotgun pellets because they have so many side effects, they cause other diseases. So, so they not only do they not cure, they make you sicker. And they make your immune system less able to fight disease. So I, uh, I changed my diet, but my tumor kept growing. So, and then I started trying one alternative after another. I tried 714X. I tried the macrobiotic diet. I tried uh, ozone. I tried the Rife generator. Uh, I tried 40 different types. And I have a DVD called Sorting Through the Maze of Alternative Medicine, What Works, What Doesn't, and Why. And these were, but see, my cancer was not caused by a deficiency of using the Rife generator, no, nor was it caused by a deficiency of ozone or any of those other things. So I had, as I searched and searched and searched, I finally realized that it's caused by what I said, the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. And you say, well, how can the way you think cause cancer? Well, you know that when somebody gets bad news of the sudden death of a relative, even a young relative, sometimes they just collapse and faint. That was just from what they heard. So your body reacts very strongly to those things. So you you have to understand how to handle your stress. And that I talk about that in, in my methods. I tried all sorts of things. I tried Um, I tried biofeedback, I tried um, uh, meditation, visualization, I had some horrible experiences with that, I can tell you, it was frightening. So I I eliminated all those things and after we're done here, I can tell you how I learned to handle stress. You will never lead lead a stress-free life, but you can learn how to handle your stress, uh, but not by any new age methods. So I tried uh, many, many different types of alternatives, and my tumor kept getting bigger. I kept getting sicker. And as I said, I was bedridden for six months. At one point, I was not expected to live through the night. And I had to make a decision. My husband said at that time, I had collapsed on the floor. And I was afraid for him to pick me up because when you get picked up, sometimes your body tenses, and I was afraid even that amount of motion, I would die. And so he said, I'm taking you to the hospital. You're dying. And I said, I'm not going.
0: With Lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker
0: than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: I'm not going because I knew that if I went to the hospital, my doctor colleagues could put in an IV, they could hydrate me. I hadn't been able by that time I hadn't been able to eat for two weeks. I hadn't been able to drink anything for days you can't last much longer that way. And I knew I was dying, but I knew that they could put in an IV and they could give me nourishment through the IV and fluid through the IV. And in an hour or two, I would feel like a new person, but I would die eventually because I knew that they don't know how to cure you. So there's only one doctor in the universe who gives you hundred percent guarantee that if you follow his ways, you'll be well. And I was, for all of my adult life, I was an agnostic. But God says in Deuteronomy 7, 11 to 15, if you obey my laws, and that includes all these health laws that I'm going to talk about, uh, sunshine, fresh air, um, uh, the proper sleep at the proper time of night, and many other things, if you obey my laws, my commandments, all 10 of them, and my decrees, I will keep you free from every disease. Well, being a doctor... If you have chemotherapy or radiation, the doctor has so little confidence in his ability to make you well that you have to sign a consent that if you are maimed for life or you die, neither you nor your family will sue them. Well, that's no confidence at all. But here, God gives you a 100% guarantee if you follow his way, you'll be well. So I thought, well, that sounds good to me. So I better figure out what that involves. Well, You have to have the proper nutrition. Exercise is extremely important, but I got to the point where I was bedridden I couldn't exercise at all. Water is very, very important. The body is 75% water. The brain is 85% water. And it's a big thing in Alzheimer's as well because every thought in your brain is transmitted on waterways. So if you don't have enough water in your body, including in your brain, you can't transmit a thought. The water is extremely important. And people are dehydrating their bodies with stress, with caffeinated beverages, with alcohol, with everything, animal products. And so uh, I had to start drinking a whole lot of water and a whole lot of juice because my body was so deprived. And I destroyed my body in large part by... Doing good things in my profession. I'm a trauma surgeon. So I was operating night and day. When there was a gang war in San Francisco, I had operated 72 hours straight with no sleep and with no decent food. And so what you do is you just exist on sugar and caffeine. And so while I was operating and have my mask on, and the circulating nurse would bring the coffee and she'd put a straw in it and put it. Behind my mask, into my mouth, and I would suck up some more caffeine to keep going. Because when you have gurneys outside your operating room lined up with people who need you to operate, you can't just say, oh, I'm tired, I'm going home. So I was destroying my body. I loved my work. And it wasn't stressful to me psychologically, but it was stressful to my body because I wasn't getting the proper nourishment. I wasn't getting the proper sleep at the proper time of night, which is critical to stay well. So, uh, I, and, and I had gone through a really messy divorce and a custody battle for my children, which was just as stressful as my job, maybe more so. Fortunately, I won custody, but it was very acrimonious and it really... Took, it destroyed my health. So here I end up with cancer. So I started drinking a lot of juice because when you drink juice, and I'm not talking about smoothies, if you're well, smoothies are fine. But if you're sick with cancer or some other serious disease, you want juice and not smoothies. And the reason is you eat three meals of vegan, vegetarian food a day, but in between, you drink your juice. If you're drinking a smoothie, it has fiber in it, and then your body has to digest it all day long. You're, you're drinking so much. And so that wears out your body, and a cancer patient needs all the energy they, they can get to heal. So you don't want to waste it in this digestion all day long. Because I drank 13 glasses of juice a day plus extra water because I figured I never drank water when I'm as a trauma surgeon. No, no trauma surgeon. Most doctors don't drink water. They drink with trauma surgeons, drink anything with caffeine because I have to stay awake all the time. So I figured I was like 17 years behind in my water drinking. So I had to drink a whole lot of juice because juice is considered water, but it's got nutrition in it. And the way you rebuild your immune system rapidly because I was going downhill fast, is to drink a lot of juice in between your meals. You get your fiber with your meals, but you get your juice and your, your fluid in between. So I started doing that. And, and at first I was exercising until I got too sick that I couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed without help. Um, and so then you need sunlight too. You need sunlight. Sunlight does not cause skin cancer. I'm going to say that again. Sunlight does not, cause skin cancer. Every doctor is taught that but it is a lie. In 1900, 75% of Americans worked outdoors because we were still an agrarian society. There was no skin cancer. Now only 10% of Americans work outdoors and skin cancer is everywhere. It is not the sun. Now I don't recommend people go out and fry themselves. You don't go out at the hottest time of the day and you can go out half an hour uh, 45 minutes a day, uh, but not at the hottest time of day, but your body needs sun You can't grow a healthy garden without sun. I see these people covering themselves all up so they don't get any sun on them. That is crazy and it is unhealthy. So you need sunlight. Sunlight does many things. It lowers high blood pressure. It decreases stress. Uh, it turns vitamin, uh, It turns cholesterol into vitamin D when it hits your skin it does all sorts of wonderful things it also decreases the size of internal cancer tumors sunlight so i spent time out in the sun and um i also eliminated all sugar from my diet Uh, sugar destroys the immune system by paralyzing your white blood cells which fight infection and help cure disease when you eat sugar your white blood cells can't do anything to defend you. And so you eliminate sugar. Uh, Sugar is a major uh, contributor to cancer and virtually all other diseases. Uh, So you eliminate sugar and harmful substances. We won't even talk about smoking. I mean, smoking kills you. So you should not smoke. Um, And of course, you should not drink alcohol. I I haven't had... drink of alcohol in, I don't know, 40 years or something like that. You don't do it um, because it destroys your body. And so uh, it's just nothing more than a drug. And it makes you do stupid things too. So uh, then you have to get the proper sleep at the proper time of of night. The healing hormones are operating your body between the hours of 10 p.m. and 2 o'clock in the morning, but you have to be asleep. So people who work nights are always sicker than people who work days. And there's no way you can overcome it because we are meant to be asleep at night. And we run on a circadian rhythm that's a 24-hour rhythm. And we're supposed to be asleep at night and awake during the daytime. And so people who work nights always have more medical problems that they cannot overcome. So we have to be asleep. I tell people to get in bed with cancer, uh, to get in bed by 9.30 and be asleep at 10 o'clock. And then get your full eight hours of sleep. You have to have that. A sick body needs rest. People, you know, they can say, well, I'm going to continue to work. Well, then you're a fool. Because you can't repair a car while you're driving it. And you cannot repair a sick body while you're working it. So all these people like in the movie industry, oh, they were so heroic. They continue, yeah, they're dead too. They didn't get, they're dead. So that's not very smart. So you, when a body is sick, it needs rest. When you have the flu, you say, oh, I'm gonna work through it. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna vomit at work. And I'm gonna, you know, no, when you are sick, you need rest and good food and water. That's what you need when you are sick. And so the one thing you have to do, you have to quit work. I didn't work for three and a half years. So that's how long it took me, two years getting worse and a year and a half getting better. So then you have to learn how to handle your stress. You have to forgive everyone who's ever wronged you. Because if you hang on to that, it kills you because it activates your fight or flight reaction. The anger does. And grudge holding, and then you can't get well. You don't have to endorse the bad thing that somebody did to you, but you have to let it go. If you hold on to it and you want revenge, then the skeleton at the feast is going to be you, not anybody else. It doesn't hurt the other person, it hurts you. And that's one of the hardest things I had to do because in order to get well, and, and here's here's what my, my divorce was over. Um, I was 53. My husband was 56. And I found out that his 28-year-old girlfriend was living in our summer house. Oh, wow. Which, which was not, not a great thing. All right? And so I had reason to be angry. But I had to let it go. And guess what I had to do in order to let it go? I had to write a letter to my husband and to his girlfriend and i had to mail them saying asking them for forgiveness for things i had said about them which all were true but i didn't say them in the right spirit so i had to humiliate myself And humility is one of the things you have to learn. You have to take responsibility for having given yourself the disease. You can't blame it on anybody. People blame it on the pollution and this. No, you're polluting your own body by the way you're living, acting, eating, and handling stress. So I had to write letters to them asking them for forgiveness for what I had done, which was the hardest thing I had to do to get well. So you have to give up anger, grudge holding, fear, anxiety, worry, and you have to learn to trust God and not man. And people say, oh, this religious stuff. I said, well, how many human beings has your doctor ever created? Well, the answer is zero. And God's created billions of them, including yours. So who knows more about getting you well? And what kind of a, what kind of a guarantee will your doctor give you? Zero. What kind of a guarantee will God give you? Plenty, okay? And so, uh, and, and all a doctor knows how to do is give you drugs and cut out your organs or cut off your body parts. That never gets anybody well. So when I started doing all those things, my cancer started going away. And it went away slowly, but by eight months, I, the, the tumor was so big and it was attached to the whole um, width of my chest wall. And then it started rounding up and actually completely detached from my chest wall. I could put my fingers over my skin and get it completely under the tumor because the tumor died because I was depriving it of what it needed to grow by the way I had changed the way I was living, eating, and handling stress. So that's what you have to do because doctors are working at the wrong end of cancer. They're trying to kill the tumor, but in doing so, they kill the patient. They destroy your immune system so you can't fight the disease. So every time it comes back, they, oh, what are they gonna do, give you more chemo? Oh, really, well, that didn't work last time. Oh, well, we have to give you more chemo. Well, then it comes back again that you have more chemo. Well, the definition of insanity, as everybody knows, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It doesn't work, didn't work the first time, made you sicker, it destroyed your immune system so you're less able to fight the disease. So instead of trying to destroy the tumor, which is not the problem anyway, it is the result of a sick body. What you want to do is change all the things in your body so you deprive the cancer cells of what they need to grow, and then the tumor will die because it cannot sustain itself. And so then my tumor started going away, and it took me an additional um, 10 months to regain my strength. So it was 18 months uh, until I was well enough to work at a desk all day. But I had been so depleted and so terribly sick that it took an additional three years after that before I could go to the gym because my goal was I wasn't going to go to the gym until I had enough enough strength to sit myself up on an exercise bench. I didn't want to roll over on the floor and get up on all fours. And that took me three years of trying to exercise to get that strength back. So I was really depleted. I was terribly, terribly sick. And here I am, totally well, cancer-free. I can do anything I did when I was 30 or 40 years old. And I have the energy, as you can see, of you know somebody less than half my age. Yeah, and I
1: amazing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I work a 16-hour day. So I have a disabled husband that I take care of. I take care of all of his business. He has a lot of income property a hundred miles away. I take care of all that. I run my own business. I have written many books I've written. I'm on my 10th book. Now I have uh, 11 DVDs and many, many CDs and I keep writing more and more information. And, and so I'm going strong and that's how everybody should be at this age. So Uh, I was well in three and a half years. I've been well ever since. And my diagnosis was made on November 1, 1993. And here it is, uh, 2019, last last November, it was 25 years. And last February, I turned 82.
1: That's fantastic. Everybody
2: can do this. Yes. And now when you hear things
1: like... um... As a healthy person is bad business. I mean, it makes you think what kind of psychopaths are running our world um, where there's, there's no care for humanity. Um, they don't want us getting better. They don't want us to know this information because basically they'd lose money. I mean, it's a very sad state that we're living in right now. And I'm just wondering, do you see any hope for that in the future?
2: No, no it's only going to get worse. And that's why I, I can tell you this, I know that they're going to eliminate all doctors. I, I realized this 35 years ago when I was on a, a, a committee for the National Institutes of Health in Washington, there were just about 12 of us. And the issue was on biomaterials for use in the body. And since I'm an orthopedic surgeon, we use metal in the body. We use plastic and metal to, for total hips and things like that. So this was on biomaterials. And so at that time, they were publishing in the Journal of American Medical Association, which we call JAMA, J-A-M-A. Um, they were publishing these um uh, conferences; they were called consensus development conferences, and so <clears throat> this was one of these meetings that would be published in the medical journal JAMA about a certain aspect of medicine. So I thought, why are they doing this? What what what, what is the purpose of doing this? And it was really quite interesting because the NIH, which arguably is the greatest, um, Um, organization for health and medicine in the world and they have given out by the way let me get a water here they have given out over the last hundred years a trillion dollars in research funds a trillion dollars in research funds to hundreds of researchers around the country even in their own laboratories it's all taxpayers money And guess what? With that trillion dollars and thousands of medical researchers, they have never found one cure for one disease. In a hundred years of Nobel prizes for medicine and physiology, they have never found one cure for one disease. Doctors don't know how to cure even one disease. And people say, well, they have antibiotics for infections. Antibiotics don't cure disease. Antibiotics kill bacteria. Every doctor, including me, has had a sick patient in the intensive care unit. If you have a patient who's severely injured in an automobile accident and, and they have massive injuries, many times they're so depleted they'll get an infection. So you give them the proper antibiotics in the proper dose and they still die because they don't have enough immune system to get them well the antibiotics not only <clears throat> do not cure the disease they can kill some bacteria but antibiotics wipe out the good bacteria in your colon which are a third which is a third of your immune system the good bacteria in your colon are wiped out from antibiotics from many other drugs and from eating animal products that's why they're talking about, oh, take probiotics. No, just stop eating the crap and learn how to handle your stress and eat right and have a good immune system. You see, if you've got a, um, <clears throat> a faucet that is pouring out water and it's, the sink is running over, you can either take a mop and keep mopping it up or you can use your brain and reach under and turn off the valve. People's, you know, people are taking all sorts of medicines for their cholesterol. Well, I say there's a really good way to lower your cholesterol. Stop eating it. Because there's no cholesterol in fruits, grains, and vegetables. There's only cholesterol in meat, poultry, fish, dairy products, and eggs. So stop eating it instead of taking a bunch of drugs that are going to kill you. Uh, to lower your cholesterol. And of course, you get out in the sun too, that helps lower your cholesterol. So people don't have to be sick. A year before I was diagnosed with cancer, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's and I had a very severe tremor. And when I started getting well from cancer, all my Parkinson's symptoms went away too. That's when I realized all diseases are caused by the same things. They're all lifestyle factors. They're the way we eat, live, and handle stress. And so if you eat, live, and handle stress like your mother who developed cancer, you'll probably develop cancer, but it is not genetic. It's passed down in families, okay, but not in the genes because how do we learn how to behave? By watching our parents. So if we do this, live the same way they do, we'll get the same diseases. It's no mystery. So anyway, that I was at this NIH conference, and so we were discussing this thing. They gave us a specific question, and so we discussed it during the day. Then we, we broke for lunch. We didn't break for lunch. They brought lunch in, which was about the most unhealthy things you could have ever eaten. And so, so then it was cold cuts and mayonnaise and lots of cheese and, and you know, Bunch of stuff that would make you sick. So, so then we kept conferring during the afternoon. And guess what they gave us for supper, for dinner? Well, they'd left the cold cuts and the mayonnaise and everything out for the whole four or five hours, and they said, "Eat that." Wow. (laughs) And so we, we didn't want to get poisoned. So we said, "Well, we want to go out." No, you're not allowed to leave the room. What? We are prisoners. They would not allow us to leave the room except to go to the bathroom. We were prisoners. So then we, we had our decision about what should be done medically for this particular question they asked us. And so we had a babysitter from the NIH there and he looked at our answer and he said, no, this, this we will not accept this. We said, well, this is our answer. No, we will not accept it. Go back and confer some more. So we did. And then we came back, this is our answer. This is our answer. And you know what he said? He said, well, it doesn't matter. We're going to rewrite it anyway.
1: Oh, God!
2: can you imagine? We're going to rewrite it anyway. And then they demanded that we all show up at six o'clock the next morning for a press conference to endorse what they had written up, which we didn't even know about. I just, I just packed up. I got on my airplane and I left. I didn't show up. But then I started thinking, why are they doing this to make a very long story short? is when you go to the doctor now they give you a sheet for family history that you fill out they give you a sheet for your symptoms you I read this and this and this and what drugs are you on and all that well they can just put that in a computer and the drugs that you're going to get comes out the other end The doctor doesn't make any decisions. They're doing that because a doctor must do for these particular symptoms. He's got to give these drugs. The doctor doesn't have any right to change anything. He, doctor, doesn't have any right to think. So, what they're going to do is they're going to eliminate doctors because, again, all doctors do is give you drugs anyway. That's all they do. They don't do anything else. So, they can put that in the computer. The computer can also. Uh, use a, um, uh, a uh, program to make sure that your drugs don't interact and all that, which a human being has a hard time doing. And so then uh, at the other end, they're going to come out. Now, they, <laughs> I, I predicted 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that they were going to have clinics in drugstores stores and in major sales stores like Walmart. Guess what? That's what they're doing. Yeah. And they're going to eventually just train a cashier at Walmart with two weeks of training so they can take a blood pressure and take a pulse. And then they're going to have the patient fill out all this thing. They're going to run it through the computer. It'll tell the computer will tell you what drugs you need. They'll go to the next window and get their drugs. Now, there will be a few patients who are bigger problems. And so what they will have is they will have some doctors in New York and they will go via television and they will be able to see the patient, ask the patient some questions. They will, the, the, the two week old former um, uh, cashier at Walmart will uh, know how to hook up an EKG so the doctors in New York can read the EKG on the monitor And uh, they may have even some doctors in Los Angeles, but that's what they'll have. And so they will then, if this is a problem, and suppose a person needs surgery. Well, they will only get surgery if they're not a useless eater. You're familiar with that term? No, I'm not. Oh, well, we're all useless eaters if we can't be slaves for them to make money to pay taxes. So if it's a person who is disabled, if it's a person who's over 60, they will be told there's nothing you can do. And they will be left to die. If you are able-bodied and you can still be a slave for the state and for the Federal Reserve uh, uh, Board, uh, then you will go to, they will uh, send you to a regional area where there will be some surgeons who will operate on you so they can get you back in the workforce as soon as possible.
1: That's unbelievable.
2: Yes. And so um, uh, you need to learn how to take care of yourself. And you can take care of yourself. I haven't been to a doctor in 25 years. First of all, I know they don't know anything. And secondly, people say to me, oh, well, since you're a doctor, you know, know. I learned, I didn't learn any of this in medical school. None of it. I learned it all since medical school, even though it's in the medical literature. Now I've got it in my materials. I've got it in my books. I've got it in my CDs. Uh, For a person with cancer or some other serious disease, I have a starter package that contains four DVDs, four books, and six CDs, a five-set CD called Stress Success, Overcoming Stress in a Stressful World, and I've got these other books. I've got everything in great detail. I even include a sheet on what you should study first and then after that, but you've got to study them over and over again because if you were a law student who just graduated from law school and you wanted to pass your bar, you would not study each thing just once. You would go over it and over it and over it again. That's what you've got. To, this is your life. It's even more important than passing the bar for a law student. This is your life. You have to study the materials and learn them and learn why you're doing these things because that's what keeps you on the straight and narrow because you learn how important it is and how not doing it will lead to disease and will lead you not to get well. So I have this starter package. It's all you have to buy. It's all you have to buy to be well the rest of your life and it costs $160, which is about 1 20th of an MRI and 1 20th of one chemo treatment. And it has no side effects and you don't ever have to buy anything else except for food. And you have to buy that anyway. And you'll be well for a long and healthy life, just like me. Very good. So, so, uh, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, I don't have that kind of money. You, you You spent thousands of dollars for your chemo, even if you had insurance. know, And yet they don't understand this. This will keep you and your family and everybody else that's close to you well all the time. You don't have to be sick. People just assume. And then people say, well, you have to die sometime. Yeah, but we're not supposed to die of disease. We're supposed to get really old and just lay down and die in our sleep without pain. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to die of disease. Very
1: well said. Dr. Day, that was fantastic information. Uh, Can you give everybody your website that is uh, drday.com?
2: Right, drday.com. And there's uh, right at the very bottom of the homepage, there are a number of other articles, too, that are free that you can read. Uh, But again, if you get the starter package, or you can buy the starter package one item at a time. But if you buy it all together, you get a $55 discount and includes the shipping and handling as well. So you get a real deal if you buy it all together. And if you have cancer or some other serious disease, you need eventually every piece in that starter package. I have many other DVDs and some other books that are not in the starter package because everything that's in the starter package is critical for your getting well. And that's all I included. And again, You know, a ticket to, uh, I live not far from Disneyland, a ticket to Disneyland uh, costs about $140 and it gives you one day of entertainment for an adult or something. I don't know how much it costs, but the whole point is for $160, you can be well for a long and happy life. So, and it has no side effects. You only get well. If you do it, you will get well.
1: Definitely. Dr. Day, I want to thank you so much again for joining us. That was awesome information, and I'm gonna to have to have you back on in the future. Be happy to. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, and you have a great night.
2: Bye bye.